Welcome in, everyone, to this new show we are calling the Coffin Cough Show. I'm Evan Kaufman. I'm here with... I, I'm Ethan Coffee. <laughs> Welcome in. This is going to be a show coming at you weekly or bi-weekly, depending on when we get the time. We are some freshmen at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. Thank you for listening in. It's just going to be two friends talking about sports. We do it all the time, not on a podcast, so we're going to see how this goes. Uh, usually our episodes are going to start with the headline of the week, and then we'll go to some sort of retroactive week in review, and then we will be looking ahead, making predictions, highlighting the important games, matchups, news, anything to come, uh, to come ahead. And, uh, and then at the end of the episode is where, uh, it's going to be the most fun part, where Coffee gives us a hot take and we debate it. So that part will be pretty fun. Uh, anyway, let's start, let's dive right in, Coffee. uh, the headline of the week is that the Super Bowl is set, immediate reactions to the AFC and NFC championships this week. Lamar Jackson let America down, that's all I have to say. <laughs> he did, now we get to see Taylor Swift in Las Vegas, which is gonna generate the NFL a lot of, a lot of money. Actually, she's got a show, I saw this on TikTok, she's got a show in Tokyo, I don't know if it's the night before, but it, it would be it would be hard for her to get there on time. But I I have a feeling we'll be seeing her there. But uh yeah, Lamar Lamar did not play well as he hasn't really played well in the playoffs before. I was hoping this time he could turn it around. Threw for two seventy two with a touchdown interception. That interception was ugly. One thing I have to say I noticed about that game I was very surprised about the Ravens are the team that led the NFL and rushing attempts and yards throughout the regular season. But they only ran the ball six times in that game. Yes. Uh, two, yeah, they ran 16 overall, but eight of those were Lamar. Yeah, and two of those were Zay Flowers, but six for their running backs. Yeah, I saw that was six for, six attempts for their running backs, which is with a team that's been so that heavily centered on running the whole entire season, I don't know why you suddenly change your game plan that much, but – Obviously, yeah. I'm not an NFL coach. It's not like the Chiefs' D line was that insane either. They've got the Chiefs' defense has been stout all year, but I I trust the Ravens' O line. That that's a good group. They got Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. Even though that backfield has been thinned a little bit by injuries to two very important pieces of their backfield, and they had Dalvin Cook, who uh, they neglected to play, which. <laughs> I don't know how he fell off the face of the NFL earth so hard from just like last year. He was still pretty good last year. But anyway, uh, Zay Flowers, uh, probably the best performance on the Ravens, had five receptions for 115 with a touchdown. But he also probably sold the game for him uh, with that fumble on the goal line. Uh, at that point, what was the score at that point? Were it they was... down? Uh, down? They were, yeah, they were. No, I think they were down uh, by ten at that point. I think it was seventeen to seven. Needless to say, that would have helped immensely. But uh, on the other side, Travis Kelsey, eleven receptions, one hundred sixteen yards, and a touchdown. He was he was bailing Mahomes out a little bit. Yeah, it's nice for him to start doing that now. Certainly <laughs> didn't do that for my fantasy team. Got <laughs> he had to deal with Travis Kelsey all year on the fantasy team. Not. He's, he's taking a step back. But what I think is impressive is Mahomes with probably the worst receiving core in the league this year, other than, like, 
who would be worse? Like the Lions? Like not the no. Lions. Not the Lions. Uh, the Giants. <laughs> Panthers, Giants. So like maybe third worst receiving core. They got except for Travis Kelsey, he helps a lot, obviously. But this is the worst receiving core he's had to deal with. And in a down year for him, like statistically, and he still gets to the Super Bowl. That's just kind of, that's kind of insane to me. Yeah, it definitely wasn't what people expected to happen. I think people expected Lamar Jackson to perform like he did all season. He just just has yet to prove that he can do it in the playoffs. He's always been amazing in the regular season, but it seems like go back to the the year that he won MVP was the year that the Titans been right. Mm-hmm. I thought go back to when he won MVP, he gets knocked out by the Titans to go to the conference, which. I mean, the Titans were a really good team that year, but... Yep, we'll, uh, we'll see Kansas City in yet another Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is trying to go for his third ring. And uh, the team that they will be playing is the San Francisco 49ers. Got any immediate reaction on that? Um, I get it that Dan Campbell, he likes to be you know the progressive coach, loves to take chances, play with some risk, but... It can cost your team the season. He's got to tone it down a little bit, like... Some of those, he passed up on like two or three field goals in that game. I can't remember exactly, but those two field goals would have won them the game. Uh, yeah, there was one specifically uh, late in the third quarter, early in the fourth, uh, where he just... Yeah, I think they had it like fourth and four or something. Yeah, yeah could have tied the game. But he, he went for fourth down, and then they had to... And then the Niners go down the field and score. They're down by 10 with not that much time remaining. And at that point, you're not going to win the game. And another thing that I didn't like is on their final touchdown, they had it on the goal line, three timeouts left, mm-hmm. and they and they try to run the ball, mm-hmm. and they get stopped. And, and then, then they you have to use a timeout, which ends the game. I don't know, again, another – you've been running the ball well all all game long, but still, you're you're on the three or four-yard line with – and the, um, the Niners had stacked the box. So I don't know how you make that decision to run the ball there because if you don't get it, then the games are. Whereas if you pass the ball and score a touchdown, then you've got a minute left in the game, three timeouts. You could pretty much get the ball back with 35, 40 seconds left at that point. And you have a great chance with 35, 40 seconds of going down and scoring a game-tying field goal. Yeah, some uh, interesting coaching decisions from Dan Campbell, but – in Dan, we trust he's turned him around completely. Uh, that you don't see that kind of turnaround in an NFL team usually. Going from what was it, three wins two years ago? Yeah. To about 500 last year, and then you're getting to the conference championship. They'll be back. I don't know if their window's that that big because uh, Jared Goff is getting old, but they'll be back. They got they got a bright future. Jameer Gibbs, that offensive line is amazing. Sam Laporta, a lot of their a lot of their defensive and offensive contributions came from rookies this year, so I expect them to take a jump and be even better next year or about the same. We'll, we'll see them again. I'm telling um, you, they need, to, they need to give Hendon Hooker a chance. Jared Goff, he's getting old. He's, <laughs> he's getting to his 30s. They might have to at they, some it's point. It's Hendon Hooker's time to shine. All right, jumping from sport to sport, we've got the NBA had some – had some action last night. Nothing was really that jumping off the page at you until you look at the Brooklyn Nets versus Utah Jazz game. Now, this game was played in Brooklyn. Final score, 147 to 114. Uh, the Nets won. And the Nets have been struggling recently, but they got a big piece of their team back off the bench. His name is Ben Simmons. 10 points, 11 assists. 
Eight rebounds. Does does this uh does this move the needle for you at all on uh, the Nets and maybe they can string some success going forward? I know it yeah. is the Jazz. The Jazz are not a great team. Very mid team actually, exactly five hundred. But Ben Simmons definitely does bring a bring an angle to this team that they've not had, obviously. The I'm, question just is, can he stay healthy? And the answer is usually no. I mean, and all, another thing with Ben Simmons, I feel like he definitely he definitely can help the team. I know he gets a ton of hate, but he's still a very talented player, can do a lot of things that a lot of other players can't do. He did all that and, in 18 minutes. Yes, it was a very impressive performance for him. But another aspect of him is he tends to bring a lot of drama to teams. With his injuries... And also just in other ways, he tends to think of himself as like a superstar. He still has a superstar mentality, and he's yet to show that he's at that level right now. Now, if he keeps playing like this, of course, but early, when he first started the season, he was terrible. And he had to sit out for 30-plus yeah. games. That's just been neat. I just remember the video of him uh when he wanted to get traded from Philadelphia, just practicing with his phone in his pocket. Just did not want to be there, did not care at all. Yeah, so it seems like he has a very, obviously has a very inflated ego. It's can he, if he can, if he keeps performing like this, and there'll be no issues, but if he goes back to what I think people kind of expect him to, you know, a solid, not, not a role, above a role player, but, you know, not someone that's going to, you're going to center your team around. Mm-hmm just give you some good quality plays out there, um, then he it's going to be something to see if he can get his ego out of the way and be more committed to helping the team than he is himself. They've got uh, – their next game is going to be tomorrow against the Suns. That'll be interesting, assuming Ben plays. We'll see – Suns are one of the better teams in the league right now. We'll see, see how that goes. And then another interesting thing I'd like to highlight from the weekend was – the Pistons getting a 16-point win over the Thunder. Uh, that That's probably something that no one thought that they would hear, and that gave the Pistons their sixth win. Cade Cunningham did not play. Uh, honestly, pretty confusing. Yeah, definitely came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody saw that coming. But, I mean, the Pistons, they have a, they have a solid roster. I don't know mm. why. I've never understood why they've been so bad all year long. Because it seems, I mean, they've had some blowouts, but a lot of their games, they've been close with some good teams. Mm-hmm. It just seems like they can never finish it off, get the final product, which I guess that's what comes with having such a young team. But they really, especially Jalen Duran, he went off. The ceiling is the roof for him. <laughs> you could say that. You could <laughs> say that. But what was it, tw- like 25 points and 22 rebounds? Something uh, 22, like that. 22 points, 21 rebounds, along with six assists. Which is just 20-plus rebounds. That <laughs> probably only happens two three times a year in the NBA. So, obviously, just a spectacular performance for him. We'll see if he can keep that up. But, I mean, obviously, the season, for the Pistons in general, the season's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of already over. They're more planning for a draft pick. But let's see if they can develop their players, maybe get something going at the end of the year to bring into next year. I don't like, as a self-proclaimed kind of Pistons fan, I watched a few games at the beginning of the year, and then they started going on their historic losing streak, and I uh, quit watching the games. But what I saw way back at the beginning of the season I think the first or second game they played Miami in Miami, 
Uh, they were fully healthy, had Tyler Hero, had Jimmy Butler, had Bam. Um, they lost by one point to a team that had just come off a finals berth. And like Coffey said, they're, a lot of their games are very close. And they're, they're right there. They could be – I don't I have to go and look at their record and see exactly how many games are one, two, three possession games. But their main problem that I saw was turnovers. Very young team. Cade Cunningham averages like four or five a game. Just bad passes and then just bad defense. Their whole TikTok accounts dedicated to how bad the Pistons' defense is, which you bring in Monty Williams. He's supposed to kind of more of a defensive guy. He wanted to get that grit and grind mentality that's that Detroit wants. And then uh, to just respond like this just every game. Well, not like this specifically. They destroyed the Thunder. And uh, I, when I was watching the games, I'd always – Wonder why Killian Hayes is playing over players like Jaden Ivey, who, don't get me wrong, Killian's a decent defender, but he's not doing much at all on the offensive end. With Jaden Ivey, he's so fast and quick, and he had a 19, 6 assists, and 8 rebounds this game. He's got a lot of potential, uh, just looking at this right here. But, uh, yeah, the Pistons going forward, there's, there's not much hope for any, anything really good in the season. They could win out the rest of their games and be 42-40, and 40, just above 500. They are probably the worst American sports team of all time, but if you look at their roster, they really shouldn't be. Some of that is because of youth. Some of that is chalked up to coaching a little bit, but we'll see if they can uh, turn a corner in years to come. One NBA game I want to talk about was the Rockets defeating the Lakers last night, mm. 135-119. to a very disappointing loss for the Lakers. I remember seeing pictures all over social media of LeBron on the bench seeming to be glaring at Darvin Ham. Is this the end of Darvin, ha- Darvin Ham's tenure on well, the at the Lakers? Yeah, they've wanted him out for a while because because uh, Lakers are five hundred right now, and it's never never LeBron's fault. Never like the team assembled around him. It's the coach. It's the coach's no, fault. No. LeBron. LeBron <laughs> Obviously, LeBron had a lot of say in – he's a lot of say in the coaching and just in general and uh, the roster construction. They're going to ask arguably the greatest player of all time, uh, what do you want the team to look like? And he, for the past few years, has not uh, GM'd very well, especially this year. Uh, last night, yep, the Rockets destroyed the Lakers. LeBron had uh, 23 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds. <laughs> Uh, everybody was healthy. D'Angelo had uh, 23 points in 41 minutes. Austin Reeves is very inconsistent as a player, which does not help the Lakers' uh, aspirations of postseason success. I saw LeBron and uh, Dylan Brooks getting into it a little bit. As always, Dylan Brooks is Patrick Beverly Part 2. But, uh, yeah. So before we move on to our next segment, we're going to talk about what's been ravaging the NBA, and it's just Individual players scoring a lot of points. Uh, Luca had 73. Cat and Booker both had 60, and Joel had 72. Right? Yes. But Duffy, you have any insight on this? Um, I mean, Joel Embiid, he's just been absolutely dominant this year. I think he's the clear-cut MVP I candidate. I, I know people say Jokic, but Embiid's almost averaging a triple double with almost a 37-point triple double which has never been done before, and I don't think you can really get past that. 
And I know a lot of people like try to say with Embiid, oh, it's because he shoots so many free throws. It's because how do you stop the man? He's a great three-point shooter. He can he can do it in the post. He can handle the ball. He's just a freak of nature. I don't know what else you how you stop him. So that's why he gets fouled a ton. But back to the subject is that um, with the seventy-point games, especially with Luca's seventy-point game, I saw obviously super impressive. But I saw some of the clips from that game because I didn't watch it. And all of them, it just didn't seem like the Hawks were even trying to play defense, which I feel like that's been a problem with the Hawks for a long time now, that they just don't seem to, they're always at the bottom of the league in defense. It's, they're never good at defense. And like in that game, like there were several occasions where I saw Luca, he didn't even do any dribble moves or anything, just kind of like, just kind of like meandered to the basket and put up a wide open layup. Yeah. Some of the Hawks, uh, Defensive performances this year have been abysmal. And I I just don't, like, he was hit, also hitting some crazy shots because, I mean, you don't get 73 points without playing insane. But I don't feel like the, if the Hawks had given any effort on defense that game, that should not have been 73. Yeah, the Hawks had the game with the Pacers where the final score was 157 to 152, trying to sniff the... Most points scored in the game record, I see. Uh, so they're, I mean, yeah, obviously 70 is impressive, but the Hawks could have uh, tried to do a little bit more to stop him. And at what point do you just start sending two three defenders at him to say, this guy is not going to beat us? But I digress. And then uh, we've got Cats, Cat and Booker, just incredible scores. They've been that for a long time. But something I'd like to point out, the funny thing about Devin Booker, he's now had a 60-point game and a 70-point game, and he's lost both of them. Yeah, one player scoring does not immediately equate to victory. In fact, if your offense is all coming from one person, you're probably, as proved by the stats, you're more more likely to lose. The Mavs barely won the game where Lucas scored 72. Anyway, let's look ahead. So this weekend, we've got some SEC action tonight that we will be actually attending. Uh, Tennessee, number five ranked team, is going to be playing at home versus a South Carolina team that is hot. They just beat they just beat Kentucky last week. Haven't lost in a minute, and they believe they've been snubbed from the rankings. But this UT team, especially at home, has just been a buzzsaw. Any team with any kind of momentum rolling in has been quickly humbled and sent back to where they are. And I, I think that's what's going to happen tonight. I think UT is going to – the spread on the game is UT minus 14.5, which is kind of high. But like I said, UT, absolute buzzsaw. I'm going to send South Carolina back to Columbia without a win, I believe. Um, I'd just like to say Dalton Connect for president. <laughs> he's Every game he's just – I think at this point, who even – you can't not give SEC Player of the Year to him. If he keeps playing at like even close to this pace, yeah, so he's averaging. If you take out of account the Ole Miss game, what even with the Ole Miss game, he's averaging twenty four game in SEC play, the highest score by far. And if you take out the Ole Miss game, because I mean UT was just dominating that for most of it, and so if you take out the Ole Miss game where he had eight, he's averaging I think it is twenty twenty seven or twenty eight a game, which is otherworldly it's insane and, and sec play especially because the sec it's i it's people hate on it a lot even though i feel like it is the one of the best if not the best it's one or two of the best conferences even in basketball 
And so it is no player should be doing that if at that level. It's just insane. Yeah, and the level of game playing that goes into each and every basketball game, especially at a high major level in such a conference as the SEC, nobody has even like started to attempt to stop him. You just can't. The Tennessee's offense is extremely dangerous this year and he's just the head of it and that's what's usually been uh holding Tennessee back from doing well, especially in postseason play. Inconsistent offense. The defense is always gonna get there, but if you lose forty to forty one, you still lose. So Dalton Connect just gives just gives Tennessee a dimension that they've never had before. And we're gonna see if that equates to some success in March. Uh next we're gonna talk about this absolutely stacked Saturday that we've got coming up for college basketball. We've got Houston, Kansas. We've got Duke, UNC. We've got Tennessee, Kentucky. See if Dalton can do it in Rupp. Well, let's start out with the Houston, Kansas uh, game. Copy. It's at Kansas, right? Yes. I'm thinking a 15-plus point win by the close at all. Mm, I think it'll be sort of close. The thing with Kansas is they just don't have any depth at all. They've they got, don't. They, they got their top four and then just people trying to prove themselves off the bench. They got Furphy. Uh, I, their depth is not there. They don't have depth, but I'm sticking to that. I don't think Houston is that great of a team. Sure, they've had some dominant wins lately, but they've been at home over some, I mean, teams that aren't horrible. They've got winning records like Kansas State, but just teams that you're not going to see in March. They yeah. don't really have, like, Houston doesn't have that signature <laughs> win yet. I think that how they have one or two ranked wins, and but they, the teams have been ranked 20-plus. Yeah. Texas Tech and BYU are the two ranked Yeah, teams. Texas Tech, are they ranked anymore? Yeah, they're like 25. Okay, so both, and I think BYU is like 22 or something. <laughs> yeah. So two teams that are 20-plus, they don't have a win over a team inside the top 20 yet. <laughs> and I just don't – it seems like Houston every year does this. They're the new – Gonzaga of it'll be different this year because they're in the Big 12. But in previous years, they've been the, the Gonzaga where that they don't play anyone all year long, go into the March as a highly ranked team, and never really make it farther than the Sweet 16. Yeah, definitely there's some of that. But uh, I, I think this game's going to be entertaining, except that Kansas is an extremely hard place to play, especially when they've got their top three playing well. All right, next game, Duke-UNC. This has been the first Duke-UNC game in a few years, ever since the Final Four, I guess, that uh, it's actually very important. And uh, both of these teams are actually powerhouses again in the ACC. Is that game, is it at Duke or UNC? UNC. Okay, I, again, it, if North Carolina, with how they've been playing, I mean, they've been looking like the best team in the nation over the last two weeks, two, three weeks. They've been on fire. It's and Duke, they haven't been on fire. They lost to Pitt last week. And I don't understand why as another team, Duke, I don't understand why they're in the top ten. Does Duke have a ranked win yet? Uh Michigan State. Michigan well, Michigan State doesn't count. They're Baylor. Not. Okay. And but, that's it. Yeah, and Baylor, what are they <laughs> at now? Uh thank they were 15 before they lost. Yeah, so they're Baylor, I don't even know if they're ranked anymore. And so they don't even have like a true ranked win yet. And they have four four losses, right? Uh, in the ACC? No, I mean just overall. Oh, just overall, yeah, four losses. Yeah, four losses. 
they just haven't looked like a good team. Like I hate to say it, like the, I don't I don't believe that they're a top twenty team in the league. Like I mean, they lost to they lost to a ten and ten Arkansas team. And yeah, Arkansas is very awful this year. And Pitt is also not a good team, and they lost to them at home. I get it. Weren't they missing like a couple of their good best players? Yeah, not their best, but like a couple of good players in that game. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if you are truly that good of a team. One or two players should not defend yourself. I'd get if it was an away game. That can be hard, but you were at home, and you should never be losing that. Pitt is nowhere near three and six in the conference, twelve yeah. and eight overall. Nowhere near a team that's going to be anywhere in March. Yeah. So I think that's a, another dominant win. By- Especially since it's at home. Yeah. I, like, I like North Carolina. All right, and finally, the last game on ESPN, a top 10 clash. Tennessee, 830. 830. 830, coming on at 830, top 10 clash. Rick Barnes rolling into Rupp, where he has not had an enormous amount of success, really ever, and he's going to take on this new-look Kentucky squad. A lot of freshmen, a lot of inexperience, but also a lot of talent, a lot of winning so far this season. What do you think is going to happen in this game, Goffey? As much as I hate to say it, I'm going to have to take Kentucky. I don't believe in Tennessee on the road. They've looked bad in every single road game they played, losing to Mississippi State. Almost should have lost to Georgia if it wasn't for Connect. And then, again, would have lost to Vanderbilt if not for Connect. Two just completely dominant performances keeping them from winning and or keep keeping them from losing and they just never seem to look good. it's always been a problem in the past we never look good on the road mm-hmm. and so i just don't think we can do it it'll t- or it'll take like 40 points from connect yeah usually uh, the tail of the road games this year has been just inconsistency from everybody but connect if we could and you think you get the offense rolling and not have to rely on him as the number one end-all, be-all option on offense. Maybe we'll have a chance, but Rupp is an environment. They're going to be sold out. The cheapest tickets right now are going on Vivid Seats for $200. So if you want to go sit in the nosebleeds, you can go cop a ticket for $200. $200 is the cheapest ticket, so they're, they're going to be loud. Big Blue Nation is going to be Packing that place out, so definitely a very hard place to win. But if there's ever a year, this might be it. I think it's going to be – I don't want to say I think it's going to be a close game because I really don't. I hope it'll be a close game. I think Kentucky will get up early, have like 10, 15-point lead, and just hold that the whole game, stave off some little UT runs here and there. Kentucky uh, always seems to shoot really well against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That's like – or especially last year. They shot lights out in the two games they played. I remember um, Wallace. Jason Wallace. Jason Wallace, yeah. I remember he had like could not miss against us last year. It was so annoying. But they always seem to shoot lights out. So I do feel like this year, I feel like Tennessee matches up very well against Kentucky. Because mm-hmm. as we saw, Kentucky really struggled against South Carolina, which is a team that I feel like is a wor- kind of slightly worse version of Tennessee. The way that they play – really resembles, you know, tough, hard basketball, good defense. And Kentucky really struggled against them. So I feel like Tennessee matches up well against them when they – I feel like Tennessee will have a huge win, win by a lot when Kentucky comes to um, Thompson Bowling. But Tennessee home and Tennessee away are just two very different. Yeah. 
when you're playing in the SEC, it's hard to win an away game no matter who you are. But that I hope that'll be a good game. Should be a pretty good game. All right, now we've reached our final segment where Coffee gives a hot take. Coffee, what's your hot take for today? I'd have to say my hot take for the day is that hmm, I'm to see. I've got a I've got a few options here. I'd have to say my hot take of right now is that the Warriors are gonna win the NBA title this year. <laughs> you really believe that? I feel like they're gonna find a way to turn it on at the end of the year, sneak into the play-in, and go all the way to the NBA Finals. Yeah, they're gonna pull a heat from last year. I think they will, because I mean, the Warriors are never a team you want to to see in the playoffs, because where they do have so much experience is that, and it seems like nowadays in the NBA that there's there all the teams don't have that much experience with winning. The the Nuggets won it last year. And they're the only team that the Lakers, are, I mean, not the Lakers, the Warriors. I feel like will really have to go through because I like the Thunder. I don't think they'll be they'll be that good in the playoffs. I feel like they're too young, not experienced. I feel like they will fall apart in a seven game series. I feel like that the West is very young. There's the Warriors are nowhere near the best team, but they're the most experienced and they're used to winning. I think they find a way to turn it on and go and go and win it all this year. And I think next year the rebuild starts. I think they trade Draymond and Clay. Uh, yeah, I don't. I feel, I feel like this is a 98 Bulls type of year for them. See, but the 98 Bulls were really, really good in the regular season. I'm not, I'm not, I know that. I'm just saying that the type of year of that, this is the last dance. Well, yeah, it is, it is the last year. I do, I do agree with your points about, Winning basketball, and they they know. And the West is very young. Uh, really, the only team with any actual experience of winning is uh, the Nuggets, because you've got Timberwolves, pretty young team. Uh, Thunder, very young team. Clippers got a few superstars that have never gotten actually won anything except for Kawhi, which that year was amazing, insane. He just showed up in Toronto and decided he was gonna win the championship, and did. And uh, after that, you got the Kings and then the Suns. KD has some experience, but I really—it's not real experience. He didn't really have to play a team anywhere close to them. Yeah, and, then, and I wouldn't be surprised that what if what if the Warriors, where their team is so old, they're just conserving right now, <laughs> like because when they play like the Celtics, when they play the best teams, it's always they always either come out on top. It's a really or it's a really close game. I feel like they're struggling to kind of stay focused during the regular season. Like they don't, they don't feel like it's that important anymore. Well, you gotta at least get in the play-in. I know, but that's what I'm saying. I feel like they'll get in, they'll find a way to get into the play-in. Because I mean, what's the standings looking like right now? Uh, the Warriors are the Warriors are twelfth in the conference right now, behind the likes of the Rockets, Jazz, and Lakers. Yeah, but they've also like their the Jazz have played five more games than they have. Oh yeah, they had a few games canceled because of yeah. the passing of their assistant coach. So I think they really don't have they're not that far behind the play in right now. And like the Jazz, like they're just a mid team. I don't think Lori Markinen does not got what it takes to lead them anywhere. So I think the Warriors sneak into the play in and go all the way. Uh, that's a hot take. That is a hot take. I think they could make it out of the first round, but at some point 
They do have the experience, that's for sure. And also with as good as Kaminga's playing right now. Mm, yes, I do. Contrary to popular, just every narrative about the Warriors right now, I do like their roster construction in theory. They've got, obviously, Splash Bros, Draymond. I don't really like that Kavon Looney's their big, which people are going to say they're going to go. They're trying to go after an offensive-minded big around the trade deadline, but you got to move some important pieces to get that. But the league, the league just has so many just bigs that are dominant, and the Warriors in a seven-game series with Nikola Jokic, their tallest player is six ten. It's Dario Saric, and nobody, nobody in the NBA has the skill to guard Jokic, much less a shorter team. I. I think that they've got to move Chris Paul. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why they purpose. traded for Chris Paul in the first place. He doesn't really do anything for their team. Not a good fit at all. He doesn't help them. I feel like they they need to try to put him into a trade, maybe a team that that has a chance to contend and try to get a good big man or that they can rely on because they've never had. A reliable big man on their team. Mm-hmm. I'd say the clo- the closest thing is when they had Demarcus Cousins, and even he was not great in the yeah. injured. <coughs> but yeah, I I like uh, Trace Jackson Davis and Brandon Pajemski off the bench. But Trace hasn't been playing as much recently. I really do like Brandon Pajemski off the bench. Just comes in, he's he can be a shooter. He does all the dirty work. Uh, I wish he was a little bit older, or he joined the team a little earlier. And was a little older because I think he w- would work very well with uh, these players who are now very old when they were in their prime. All right, that's about it. That's all we've got for today. Thank you for listening in. This has been the Cough and Cough Show.